morning to anybody that's watching or listening to this back. This is our BIP chat with Thomas and Penny. Um, for anybody that's not watched us back before, uh, BIP stands for Business is Personal. And it's a philosophy that Thomas and I have believed in for about 25 years, if not longer. Um, and you can read into it what you want about the fact that it's not what most people say, which is when somebody said to me, Penny, it's not personal, it's just business. And that's sort of like a knife to my heart when somebody said that to me, because business is very personal. And so BIP 100 is all about a club that we've created for no more than 100 experts. Uh, Thomas does the uh, manages the applications. He's done over 2000 uh, Zooms talking to people about whether or not we are right or they are right for BIP 100. And we look for people who have an expertise, but also really strong values and credibility and also have um, so this diversity of expertise, but the commonality of kindness, because we want to introduce good people to our network. And today we're introducing Anthony Abel, which is going to be a really fascinating subject. So if you're interested in the property market, if you're interested in digital assets, if you're interested in the whole subject of investment and how you can um, grow your own personal wealth, but also very interestingly, how we can help society to um, have some economic benefits of this new emerging market. Um, and you'll also see that Thomas is here. Thomas, I know you're excited about talking today about this subject. It's been something that's been important to you for quite a long time. Yeah, I'm certainly very interested in, in where Anthony's going to take us explaining what digital assets really are in English, how it relates <laughs> to equity release and getting our kids on the property ladder and where you're going long term with your exchange. I want to get the answers to all of these. That's brilliant. Now, Tony, before we come back to you, you've got a wonderful guest that's also someone that Thomas and I know very well. So we ask our BIP members to bring a guest on board that's going to add to this chat and the diversity of the conversation you're going to be listening to. So please introduce uh, Johnny to us. Yeah, so I'd love to. Uh, Johnny Fry is joining me today. I asked him specifically to, to join me. Uh, he's going to help me with anything that we might lose in translation in the process. But Johnny <laughs> is the uh, editor of the Digital Bytes. Uh, Johnny's going to say a few words about himself now because uh, his expertise uh, is legendary. Go ahead, Johnny. Oh, that's brilliant. Johnny, yeah, let's... let's Hello, Fanny. Hello, Thomas. Here. Nice to see you. And uh, Anthony, thanks for asking me on as your, as your special guest. I, I didn't realise I was going to be a special guest today. Um, well, that's yeah, nothing special. Oh, yeah, nothing special. <laughs> no. um, I, I knew it was going to be one of these sort of type of chats. Mm. Um, my name's Johnny Fry. Um, I, I, so I, I, I write a publication called Digital Bytes, um, which looks at how, where and why blockchain technology and digital assets are being used um, in business, in society. Um, and that goes out to about 100,000 people every week. Um, but enough about the advert about about that and my, my background. And I suspect um, one of the reasons that um, Tony's asked me on board um, is I'm an advisor for um, a, a business uh, called TPX. And I will leave Anthony to explain more about that. But my, my background is very much involved in financial markets um, back in the um, late 80s. So hence, hence the grey hair. Um, I set up a fund management business not far from where Penny and Tony, I'm sorry, Penny and uh, Thomas live um, in Guildford, um, south of London. And um, I ran that as CEO of the, um, of the business for over 20 years um, and floated on the stock market and all those bits and pieces. But th the relevance of this is that 
having spent n- nearly nearly 40 years, dare I say, involved in managing people's money, looking at um, macroeconomic drivers of what makes equities go up, bonds go down, the property market, commodities, um, was really, really interested in um, some of the innovative ideas that um, Tony and his, his colleague David Parsons have, have come up with and the team have now created. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm here really um, as someone that's got a reasonable experience dealing with retail institutional investors and some of the things which historically they've been looking for and have been um, delighted to help Tony and his team along the route um, as, as they're building out um, this, this, this opportunity for people to get involved in. Wow, amazing. And it's been amazing. I mean, obviously, Johnny, we have known you for many years. It's wonderful. Isn't it funny how the networks combine in time? It's wonderful that uh, you're an advisor to Anthony on this. So, Anthony, before we really get into the crux of this and start to educate people a bit more on this subject, um, what's what's led you? What's your journey been to to creating this? Well, I mean, the journey has been one of entrepreneurship and innovation. you know, my, my background is, is a more serious nature because I, I, I started, um, as you can hear of, it's a Canadian accent. Uh, I'm mid-Atlantic in my perspective, so I can laugh at the humor in both countries. Um, <laughs> and I've also got the ability to uh, see where technology can run to, given its full scope and scale. And, and I've made a, I, I focused on doing that for a number of years. I, I was originally a serial entrepreneur building tech companies in the telecom space and the logistics field. Uh, post my military career, I, I finished as a captain in the military. Um, and along the way, I was even uh, an, uh, 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 an interesting fact was an Olympic coach. So coaching people for excellence, producing teams of entrepreneurs to deliver the goods when it counts. That, that's really been my hallmark. And, and after I'd, I'd done a lot of that work, I ended up becoming a, a serial financier, really, where I've done about 23 tech companies in one form or another um, over the last 25 years or so, where I've either financed them, funded them, run them being the advisor to them, being the CEO, director, uh, you name it, the bottle washer at times, food server upper. Uh, there's pretty well nothing I, I haven't done in this field. So from that point of view, I understand the aspects of building world-class innovation and technology. Um, along the way, I was also um, a CF1, a CF30. Uh, these are controlled functions. I ran a fund uh, in Guernsey. Um, I had a corporate finance team that I ran here in London, helping me to build some of these tech companies. So um the long story short is, is I've seen both sides of the fence and in its intricate detail and all the pain and suffering that goes through both from the financier's perspective, as well as the entrepreneurs. So, yeah. and, that, and, and in the end result, you know, bringing us to the subject of today, um, that's why I sit in this hot seat today, um, because when I looked at all the opportunities I've seen over the last 30 years or so, um, this one stands out head and shoulders above all others. Um, we're moving into a new type wow. of economy. And this is where I wanted to do, uh, situate myself. So you said we're moving into what economy? A new type of economy. New type of economy. So anybody listening in on this, the my role is to bring everything down to a very basic level because I'm the only one here that doesn't understand digital assets, um, blockchain. Although Thomas, you know, has written a book on it and he talks about it a lot in the house. Um, I, I, he, I, I'm still a little boss-eyed when it comes to this subject. But the motivation the four of us have is for anybody to listening to this is to see how you can start to get involved in this. And the reason I wanted to talk to Anthony and Johnny at the beginning about their background is that I know many people look at emerging markets in this what might be perceived as new to some, but 
for many of us it's been it's been talked about in the households for many many years is that you want to know that the people that are giving you advice and you know and offering a platform for investment have credibility in their in what they've done so hopefully you've absorbed that about Anthony and Johnny um, and you can always ask Thomas as well any questions about them going forward and at the end I'm going to be giving you Anthony's email address um, but you can obviously connect with him on LinkedIn and anybody that's listening not watching um, if you're curious to look at him on LinkedIn now Anthony is spelled without the h so a-n-t-o-n-y and then Abel, A-B-E-L-L. So take a look on LinkedIn. And Johnny Fry is J-O-N-N-Y and then Fry, F-R-Y. So look them up on LinkedIn and connect with them. And obviously, you know, Thomas and connect with him if you uh, have any questions about these two amazing gentlemen. Right. So we've got a bit of an agenda and we've got about how long? Uh, 35 minutes. And we want to keep you engaged with us if you're listening in. Um, because um, I think this is a really fascinating subject. And the thing that's pricked my ears about it is that um, this is a property exchange and we need to explain that. But also you are very motivated by some of the societal challenges around property. So I would really like us to address that first, Anthony, um, because I think anybody listening, anybody will know that property has become out of the reach of many of us Um, And also many people know that they can leverage property to make money. So let's can we talk about that to begin with, Anthony? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Just like business is personal, um, I would suggest in our current economics climb, so is economics is personal. So we're moving into a new realm, really, because most of us are not of an age where we've seen a full economic cycle through. So we're, we're now at a stage where we hear about inflation every day. Uh, we've been modeling for this for five years and we knew this was going to happen um, at some stage over the next few years uh, and our pandemic and the masses amounts of stimulus that our governments have put into our economies have, have certainly uh, fanned the flames. So we're all going to hear a lot more about inflation. Um, we also know that that the way our economy is working, the, the way that we can hold value uh, in a high inflation environment in our assets or in our in, in the money that we, we have Uh, and our bank accounts has changed. So when you're in a high inflation environment, um, unfortunately, uh, inflation erodes the value of our savings. Um, And we've all seen the banks not paying any interest rates. Uh, We've all seen uh, that the value of our money when we go to the grocery store, it doesn't go as far. That box is not quite as full as it used to be, uh, or um, that amount of money doesn't buy what it used to be. uh, We see this in the building trade, for example, in property where Literally, some of the bill of materials is up five times over it was over the price it was about five years ago. Sorry, uh, over uh, 18 months ago or so. So this is the backdrop that we face. And this will be with us for a while. And it's a direct result of what's called monetary inflation um, that's in our economy. I don't want to go too dark on all those subjects because this is really about an improvement upon that. Um, You know, we're, we're we're in a new type of economy, new economic cycle. I've actually come here today with some good news, because uh, as always, we shouldn't be afraid of change, um, because ultimately dynamics of human existence continues. We have kids, we go to school, we 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 study, we learn, we we become better at the things we do. We have aspirations. We go on holiday. These things are all things that are common vein for all of us. So even though our economics might change some of our behavior patterns temporarily. Um, the change that we're going through now has happened many times in history. And so 
uh, when I talk about what we've done with property and what this means for everybody who's listening today, um, you should be encouraged by it, not scared by it. And that's really the message of today. So a little bit more about our exchanges. So we, we, we started our journey in 2016, uh, myself and my co-founder, David Parsons, uh, who's uh, a very serious cryptologist, first came in contact with some of these new technologies. Uh, I'm not going to dwell upon them too much. The blockchain, um, AI, um, uh, artificial intelligence, uh, automated market makers, these types of technologies. Um, and they're ability to deliver benefits to us are huge. Uh, at first, they're just technologies, and it's easy to be bamboozled or confused by these new technologies. But we should all remember they're just tools on a journey, and the journey is what matters, and the destination is what I'm going to really talk about today. So, Love that phrase, they are tools on a journey. Indeed. Um, and, yeah, and-, and actually, you've just, I want to come back to you in a minute about that, but you've just really stimulated because I'm, my pa- father passed away in January, sadly, and he's leaving a little bit of money to myself and my two sisters. And I'm thinking, wow, as some people think, where do I put that? Do I go the safe route through wealth manager into traditional stocks or do I go, oh, wow, would this be a great route? And I think this is the scary thing. And and so I really don't know whether we do it now, but I think this is the subject that a lot of people will be thinking. We see some people making big returns, but they, they're high risk takers in a way because they don't. And I'd love to delve into that a little bit more. Um, but first so, of all, can we understand, Anthony and Johnny, what is a digital asset? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Yeah, so a digital asset is a digital representation of something. Um, it, it allows us to take some uh, elements um, such as a right, uh, an equity um, in one form or another, or in our case, property, and be able to trade that electronically without physically exchanging the goods itself. Um, so it's a digital representation of a thing, typically. Right, hang on, hang on, Tony. That's why Too complicated. Too totally, complicated. totally lost. Take, look, <laughs> this is simple. This is simple. We all remember, Thomas, you remember going out and buying and his her majesty's voice or his majesty's voice record player and it was a wind up record player with a big cone with a dog wasn't it you remember that you certainly your dad HMV. hmv that's where it came from so so our dads had hmv um we thought we were super trendy by having 45s i singles like that and we used to put them on a record player um and then along came um, the sort of electronic version or whether they had cassettes and then we had cds and now we have streaming but the underlying asset the underlying thing that we're trying to sell in this case music is the same it's it's i don't know it's james last music or it's you know tiana Brass, last or precisely i'm trying to take stuff back to your day it's, it's fred um what's Ray his name Conniff. Al Jolson. Ray Conniff. shirley bassey <laughs> shirley bassey that's it so Ray the Ray. underlying performer is exactly the, same. the asset is exactly the same and what we what we now have with digital assets is just a new wrapper that you put around the asset which enables you to transfer to sell to give the asset in different ways, much, much more efficiently. So the asset's so the is same. Spotify is such a wrapper. Spotify is a type of wrapper, precisely. So mm-hmm. our kids don't have record collections anymore. They don't have CD collections. You know, they're literally where well, we're using for scarecrows in our, in our garden. Um, but we actually subscribe to things like Spotify and Apple Music, but we're still listening to Al Jolson. 
So the okay. actual asset hasn't changed, but it's the way it's packaged. And, and, and so that's... many people are creating assets and putting them on the blockchain. Your if you asset, own the IP. If you own the IP. If you own the IP. The intellectual property. So, Anthony, your digital asset is around property. And there are two winners on this. Well, there may be more, yeah. but two types of winners. There's the... So let me understand. So there's a person that wants to get on the property market. And there's the people that invest in property. Yeah, well, no. let me take let, let me take you a no. bit of that journey. Might no, make hang it. on, hang on. Let's keep. This Johnny's going to have his word there's, here. There's the there's the people that want to get on the property ladder. Number one. Yeah. And number two, there are people who are on the property ladder, and have got too much capital and not enough income. So they're trying to convert. So their they want liquidated. And water. They, they they're told their house is worth half a million pounds, but they can't afford to heat it. So they're saying, well. I, I've got to live somewhere. How can I use the capital I've got in my property? How can I use that in an efficient way for my benefits so I can carry on living in my home? Because right, I'm, so I'm only nursing care. Release and well, that's yeah. equity but there's two people. You've but, got but, property but let me just tell you this. My father did equity release. I'm allowed to say that now that he's passed away because he was very upset in the end that he did it. It's a horrible it's product. Because the current equity lease product is horrible because you're just on a downward spiral with your money. Yeah. And in the end, they own your property. So so let's let's dig into that, because that's definitely an interesting right. subject. Well, let's, let's help everybody on the journey here. So we really in our world, what we're doing is we're turning property into a liquid asset. What does that mean? So it means that you can take your property and use it to buy a cup of coffee. Or in our case, you can take a property that you might own or a slice of, the, of a property you might own, say in Singapore, and use that to buy your cup of coffee in London without having to go through the banks directly. Now, that's a very powerful thing because all of us look at our property and the idea that you could use it as money, as you can probably see on that coin behind me, the other side here, <laughs> um, that's effectively what we call coining your house, turning your property into Coining money. your house? Yes. That sounds like Oliver Twist. The point is our technology allow that to do this today. Now, the key thing is to not do it what we say from the bottom up, from a technology point of view. We've done this with the FCA, with the Bank of England, with the Bank of Canada. We, we've been in concert working with them on their digital assets team and looking how this can happen. And it's not just us and your poor father, Penny, uh, and others who are in the same situation who are asset rich but cash poor that we're trying to help here. We're also trying to help the younger generation. And this is uh, in, uh, within all of our offerings, within all of our plans for all of our exchanges worldwide. Um, ultimately, we're looking to help society here and to help with some of this disparity of wealth, for example, that exists within it for all the right reasons. And in many ways, it, it's also a, a review and probably needed one of, of a shakeup of how capitalism itself can look at, you know, how, how it should work. So if I'm so I'm 25, well, <laughs> imagine it for a moment. Okay. And I, you know, I've got a good salary, um, but there is absolutely no way I've got the size of deposit to be able to buy a property. Um, how would I? How how do I actually go about this? What are the mechanics of it? Okay. So the way we've designed all of our exchanges to operate is you take your property, and you you. Um, uh, on the vendor side, you go in and you see your real estate agent or the ones that we're working with on the exchanges and you list or IPO, initial property offering, offering in our word world, uh, and you IPO your house on a public exchange. And what does that mean for you? So all of a sudden your house. That's if you've got one. Yeah. If you've got one. 
Um, in Penny's case, if, if you're a younger generation looking to get onto the property ladder for the first time, because of the value of that we can create in the property itself and the way that the value then can move into the economic and financial systems, I highlighted already how you could use your house to buy a cup of coffee. Um, if you can do that within the broader economic system, those your property, those properties are far more valuable to the economic system than they are indeed to the homeowner in many ways, because this is how these are our economics and how our financial systems work. And this is what we spotted some four or five years ago. So going back to you know, the, the, the aspect of a 25 year old trying to buy their first house. Um, what we've designed our exchanges do, to do is to ensure that those houses that they buy, they can buy them at 51% of their previous asking price without having to pay for a mortgage for the balance. So all so, of a sudden, houses in our world, in the way that- You've got to say that again, Anthony. Now, let me ask a question that's to specify that. So I go, I have to go to a real estate agent that's got his property on your platform, yeah, yeah which is called uh, TPX. So I've looked for it, and that's obviously great because we're going to have more and more estate agents putting their properties on there. So I go in and I find somebody. And I say, I'd like that. I, I then hope that that property, somebody else will buy 49% of it or a group of people will. And that's, that's the function of the exchange. That's yeah. what we built the exchanges to do. We bring global liquidity to local properties. And, and that's the challenge. It's, it's, it's so taking- you're buying the property... You've got your twenty or thirty thousand pounds that you've saved up at twenty-five. Yeah, and you're buying a property that you can live in with a bunch of other investors. Yes, it, 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 part of the genesis for this was the sharing economy that we all saw about ten years ago, and you realise that there's a lot of um, surplus capacity that exists in our system that isn't properly utilised. That theoretically, if but only you could find mechanisms by which you share things, be that a, a sharing of an Uber cab or in some ways, sharing of the value of your house with others, you get to where you want to go to in an Uber, in a, in an Uber cab, um, and you don't really notice your, your fellow passengers because your focus is on the journey. Was well, the same here. In our case, the occupier gets to live in their house with everything that they've ever associated with them in their house. And the others who share in the house, they never see. You're already doing it, to tell you the truth, with the pensioners that sit inside the banks, which sit inside your mortgage. They yeah, just yeah. haven't told you this. You're already sharing your house when you have a, a a mortgage payment to make on your house. And do you pay? So you do you pay effectively something to to, to those forty nine percent each month? It, it it depends. To be very honest, I don't mean to give you a difficult answer on this one. No. Um, we've identified on our exchanges that we have, particularly in a high inflation environment, um, that the asset class that many people are moving into is property because property is generally inflation resistant and appreciating over time. Um, which isn't the same as your cash sitting at your bank account. Um, and we've developed systems and worked with banks so that when they come, when people come onto our exchange, uh, we've produced very competitive products, which says, would you rather be paid uh, an attractive interest rate for putting your spare cash capacity into property, which is liquid, which you can get it in and out of as quickly as you wish, sub 50 milliseconds, or would you rather put it at the bank where they don't pay you any interest rate? So we, we actually are highly competitive on a number of different fields. One on the equity release product, which we're highlighting a bit before, uh, which allows people to access cash when they're asset rich. Um, and also um, uh, it allows uh, people to save better, uh, to preserve their wealth, preserve their cash um, in a high inflation environment where we're looking at, at inflationary pressures of, of uh, anywhere, depending on which economy you're in, of 10 to even 60% or, right. or worse. 
So is that any different, Anthony, to Rishi Sunak's help to buy scheme? Well, yes, help to buy means he, he makes you a loan that you have to repay. <laughs> so there's always that aspect. So, um, yes, it's very different because uh, Rishi Sunak's program is very much about enabling uh, the banks to lend the money to a younger generation so they can afford a house. But you still have to pay for 100% of the house over time. In our model, you only have to achieve a 51% purchase price and you have no further payments to make on the property once you've achieved it. Right. What you're, happens you're, then when you want to sell and move on? What happens to that property? How do you sell a property that you only own 51% of? Well, the difference here is that we've, we've divided between uh, ownership and occupancy. Occupancy only requires you to have 51%. And under the way that property law works here in the United Kingdom. Which oh, is exactly so that's your, the difference. You have full occupancy. You just don't have to share it with the usual suspects. Now you're sharing it with a broad global audience instead of a narrow banking audience. Thomas, because you own 51%, you can sell the house when you want to sell the house. But bear in mind, if you sell the house, then the, that your lawyers will look at it and say, well, um, Johnny, you own 51% of this house. The other 49% has to be paid back. Now, typically paid back means to the bank because they've granted a mortgage. But in this scenario, Payback is it could be 49% of the house is owned by Penny. So when to- when Johnny sells his house, he gets 51%, Penny gets 49%. Because she, she her name is on the on the title deeds. So the she occup- has access. The but, occupier controls a property. That's the key thing. The occupier with the 51% decides the fate of the property, whether they sell, whether the 49ers get their money. Um, we've, we've assembled for, for pension markets, we've assembled the product. So, for example, there can be restrictions on some properties, an office building. Um, you know, that it might be locked in for a period of time so that they can develop the yield for the pensioners, the pension market. So there's different types of products that are going into it today. And does um, the occupier have to have 51% before they can occupy or can they work their way up to reaching 51%? Well, the issue here that we've done for the first time ever is we've made property affordable for everyone. Anybody with a mobile phone in the world who can pass the local regulators, AML, KYC, can enter into our exchanges and buy a piece of property for as little as £10. So all of a sudden... They can't live in it until they've got 51%. That's true. You have to have a 51% stake in the house to have controlling interest. Now, those always sell as a block. Okay, so there's always a 51% block. There's always a deemed occupier or manager of that building. They can have other products behind them, so it's still... You know, you still might have a relationship with a bank, but the bank can only make a call on the 51% you own, not on the 100% that the, 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 of the entirety of the building. And, and we've changed the rules somewhat. We've made it patently much more fair for everybody in the process. Uh, we are challenging the large banks because we have a highly competitive product. We have tremendous support from central banks and other um, political, shall we say, interests to make sure that we have highly competitive products to the- uh, Tony, can you, can you um, just on that central bank thing, um, how much money do the Bank of England think could be released um, by the success of um, TPX? Be- bearing in mind, residential property in the UK is worth 5.5 trillion pounds, yeah. trillion. So that's a lot of, lot of zeros, Thomas, more, more than you and I can probably put on our hands, but there you go. What 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 do they reckon that good stimulus impact could be on the UK property market? Oh, sorry, on the on the UK economy. Okay, I can give you some numbers on this one. So um, it's rather interesting. To note there, there's some 7.2 trillion worth of registered property at the land registry, um, but a, fully a third of UK's properties never been registered on the land registry ever. 
the land registry is not quite the full registry that everybody thinks it is. Um, so arguably there's about uh, just short of 10 trillion worth of property in the United Kingdom. Of the land registry records, 5.5 trillion of that property has no liens, charges, or liabilities on it. It's clean, it's, it's, it's free as such. And what the UK government is very- mortgage, mortgage free, has no debt no on it. No mortgage free, no debt on it, no calls on it, no, no charges on it. And that's what the UK government and the land registry are very keen to see to go to work for the UK economy. Because in a high inflation environment where literally everybody in the world is buying up properties and typically leaving them empty, we offer the opportunity where they share those properties and we can attract a net inflow of capital in the United Kingdom that's buying land. That asset, that, that uh, inflation resistant asset that in a high inflation environment. Oh, I see. So the goal is to suck in the 49% of that 5 trillion from external overseas investors. Yes. If we get this correct. Doesn't that just create a lot more inflation in the housing market? No, because because ultimately the prices of property is relatively stable based on the supply and demand curves. Um, if people look at the price and see the historic price, uh, you know, with a factor of inflation going on at the moment, there is to be fair, but that's largely externally driven. It's an incredibly stable asset over time. Um, yes, I mean we'll, we'll we'll move with inflation, um, but ultimately because of the demand curve, there are more people on the planet. Uh, there's always more demand for property over time than than uh, typically supply. And that drives the equations for property. That's why it's always desirable uh, part of anybody's portfolio, because as it has that type of behavior, the old uh, phrase of safest houses. Um, we Thomas, take it- Thomas, sorry, Tony, Thomas, come back to your point. If you just saw 5%, not 49%, just 5% of the UK's residential homes that currently have no mortgage, just 5%, that equates to just under 300 billion of cash which gets released out of your home and recycled back into the economy as cash, no debt. So you're not increasing the indebtedness of the UK economy. You're, you're taking money out of typically elderly people's property, and then they're able to spend their money on having operations or alterations to their property or giving money to their children or grandchildren or changing their car, whatever they want to do with it. But that is a huge fiscal stimulus that will help society to, to actually improve itself. So you don't think that will create more inflation? No. Yes, um, there, well, no, there is, there is a chance. There'll be, there'll be inflation pressures. More money into the system. But what it's doing is creating liquidity and unlocking an asset. Because at the moment, that money is literally locked up in bricks and mortar. But if you, look, if you look at spending power of most individuals, the price that they pay for property, whether to live in or to rent it, it stays in a fairly static level relative to the amount of money that they bring in. Um, because ultimately, the market wants them to rent their houses. So there's a, there's a ceiling by which they can pay and still pursue all the other things in life. So, and so the market tends to reassert itself over time, and you get a tremendous amount of stability in the pricing of property over time. So, babe, so you're understanding all this. Well, are you of foxed? All, one of my beefs in life is how much um, landlords have created a, an unrealistic supply and demand problem in the country. I mean, you know, we've got in Tilford, we live in Tilford in Surrey, some beautiful houses have been built. And my daughter thought, well, I'd like to buy one of those little houses. The whole estate is only, he's bought them and he only rents them out, right? And so landlords have massively dominated property market over the last, I don't know how many years. And and really created, it's locked a lot of people out from buying property, uh, created almost an artificial price in the market as well 
if landlords instead of doing that did what you're saying would that actually create more equality in the market for buying well uh, you could argue yes um the key thing is turning the asset into a fairly liquid form so the, the asset has different aspects to it. You, there's this capital value where you're sharing your house with somebody else and they're putting their money in there, much like a deposit account, because they can earn a higher interest rate putting it onto the exchange and putting it into property than they can putting the equivalent amount of money in cash into the bank. So it's a much better way of keeping your your, your short-term uh, cash as such than, than in a bank currently in the, in the way that we've designed it. Um, if you take that a step further, uh, both sides of the equation are looking for liquidity in the asset class, and particularly right now. Um, you know, I, I mentioned a bit earlier in the call, uh, sorry, in, the, in, the, in, in, this, in this session, that we've got um, the bill of materials going up 5x for the property builders. They need to build more properties, but they can't do so because all of their economic models for building houses have gone out the window because uh, the bill of materials has gone so high that the economics of building those houses no longer work. Right. And, and, and that stopped them almost dead in their tracks. They're finishing the houses they have, but they're not committing to new build. Right? Wow. They need to get cash out of their existing housing stock in some form or another to build those new houses that our young need. And yet it's, it, it, if they carry on this path without having liquid property, which is what we're proposing in our exchanges, they have no easy access to the cash because they have to go to the banks, the traditional routes, uh, that's slow, that's not very... <laughs> fair quite often uh, and we bypass all that we're making the, the asset liquid for the first time ever and we're making the asset is so strong that in many ways we see from our point of view that this could be a replacement for gold itself because the supply and demand curves for it are much more stable you have a much higher utility value you can't it's, live in it's a, a deeper market tony as, as you know property is valued at 326 trillion yeah. according to the uh, state agent Savills, 326 trillion. That's the global value of property. And if you compare that to cash, which is what we currently use as a form of exchange of value, cash globally is worth um, around 40 trillion. So you can see property is, is a much deeper market in terms of the actual amount of asset. But the trouble is, it's very, very liquid. It's historically been impossible for you to go and buy a cup of coffee and and literally sell the brick off the top of your chimney you couldn't do it with tpx you put your property onto an exchange and then it's possible for you to then have a debit card and that debit card gets settled against your house so you're unlocking value in your in your in your house but you're still living in your house so some of very, your very powerful transformative some of your listeners will be aware of, 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 of Glint, I think it is, uh, the card that allows you to have gold certificates and allows you to effectively go in and out of gold and cash instantly. Um, so you go to buy that cup of coffee, you use your Glint card, you buy your cup of coffee with a tiny gram of gold um, in the way that that account is set up. And we're doing exactly the same thing for property now. It's, just never, it's never been done before. And, that, and that's what's a sea change. Penny, going back to your social thing. Does that thing. mean people are going to be buying 51% of houses on this exchange? Um, it doesn't make sense because the tax man cometh. It makes a lot more sense to spread your portfolio in the asset class uh, thinly across 100 houses than to buy one house and get stamp duty. But if you want to be an occupier? No, if you get occupier, anybody who achieves 51% block, because this is a block, you can't, you can't cut it down any smaller. Um, and under the rules of the exchange, you're now responsible for the property. Um, those are sold as, as a, a subset within the exchange. It's a standard uh, buy-sell process that everybody's familiar with for buying houses, except the house is now half price. 
And can you get a mortgage for that 51% from somebody? Uh, in our discussions with the challenger banks, they're more than keen to be part of that process because it allows them to challenge the big uh, five banks directly oh, with a higher with a higher velocity of money model. So they right. can they can turn around a lot more money a lot more quickly in our model than they ever can with a 30 year mortgage on a property. But Tony, well, what's really interesting, good. if you look at the banks that you've spoken to and, you, and let's take London, where you have a row of houses and you're number one, Acacia Avenue is not on the exchange. Number two is. Because number two is on an exchange and is more liquid, the banks are saying potentially number two Acacia Avenue is worth between three and seven percent more. Because it's it's in a more liquid format and it's easy for people to come in and buy and sell. Yeah. Therefore, potentially by putting your house onto the exchange, it could actually increase in value um, simply because it's a more transparent and liquid way to have your property. And, and that's one of the things we've seen. We're talking to a couple of sovereign wealth funds in the Middle East. And they want to put their property in the UK and it's running into the billions onto the exchange, not to raise money, but so that they can go back to their citizens and say, you can log on to this exchange and you can see the actual properties that we own on your behalf. And it's not us telling you what they're worth. They're independently valued every six, 12 months by these independent estate agents who are saying these properties have gone up or down by this amount. So I think that's a very interesting um, thing that the, the TPX is bringing because it's bringing much greater transparency and social awareness of what you already own. Can you imagine if they could do that with, I don't know, the money you've got in Standard Life or the PRU or Legal in General, i.e. these big sort of invisible institutions, and we've got no idea. We know they own lots of property, but which property? Uh -huh. Well, TPX, through the power of blockchain technology, is blowing away all that sort of mistiness and creating real transparency and therefore real trust. And I think that's a real key important thing. And well, are there going to be lots of these kind of TPX exchanges? Unlikely. I mean, the, the secret sauce that we did is we worked with HMLR, BOE, FCA to get a lot of this modeling correct and understand precisely the legal aspects. For example, um, on the chains that we use, we can adjudicate on our chains. Um, you can't do that with most chains uh, that are operating out there right now. They're centrally managed. Once the deal is done, it's blockchain, it's forever. In our chains, because of the way we've constructed them, and the followers of the DeFi model. It allows us to adjudicate on all our chains. So if you have a property on a local exchange and let's say something untoward happens to it, um, let's say someone did a sale they shouldn't have or the Russian mafia sold your house while you're away on holiday, worst case scenario, um, you have full aspect to come back and adjudicate that. And if the courts say, yes, your house was illegally stolen from you or a portion of it was, then we have the ability to reset the chain. We designed it specifically for that. Uh, we also designed it so it's incredibly fast, much faster than an Ethereum chain for those that, that know that subject. Um, and the end result is this aspect of instantaneous money, of making sure that from the moment your property lists on the exchange, it's fully liquid. There's always a price for it. You can always take your house, put it onto the exchange and say, I want to go out for a Friday night. I'd like to raise 100 pounds equivalent at that moment. You can then sell a small slice of your house and you can realize that money instantly. And can you buy it back? You can. So this is for life's vagaries, as always. You know, if you cash in your pension fund, you want to buy some of your house back. If your children are going to school or university, or unfortunately, if you have ill health, you want to access your cash, but not at a penalty. Mm -hmm. What is the hidden secret for, for most of our listeners here today is they never fully realize the process of, of what a mortgage document does. Um, 
Previously, we gave away so much of the value of our house to our banks, which they then made extraordinarily, sometimes eye-watering amounts of money off of, but they never told you. Mm. Oh, it's amazing. Difficult they were making 128% frequently. Yeah. At the moment they, you sign that document and you give them the mortgage, they're making, well, in the 2008, they were making about 128% instantly on, on that. They never told you that. They never shared any of that with you. Yeah. So we, we have we have good reasons not to trust our banks wholly. <laughs> uh, we're offering something better. We are extraordinarily transparent in our systems because we're using these next, these technologies. In our trading systems, we take all the tools that the equity markets have been using for years for their advantage away from them. Yeah. Um, it levels the playing field. Now the retail investors are able to compete directly with the institution. Mm -hmm. And they don't have the aspect of the institution having more information than the retail. And Thomas, they literally can, you know, I know how much you love your mobile phone. You, we could literally go ping and I could sell you a part of my house or I could buy part of your house and it would go through the TPX exchange. But we could do that transaction. We don't need to make an appointment with our estate agent or a stockbroker or a wealth manager. So it's. And, and that's the, that's the element of the digital element, because effectively what we're doing is wrapping the house in a digital wrapper, which enables these, they're called atomic swaps. I, we can literally swap from one to another very, very quickly. But, it, but the back office has to be very strong and fast, because what we can't do is it can't enable me to sell 10% of my house to you and then 10% of the house to, to Penny in an, in an hour's time. It's got to once, I can only spend the money once. So that's yeah, why yeah. the technology is so important. I, um, I think I, you've I, done well to explain it. I know you've got to wrap it up, but I have. It do need to wrap it up, but it is. I do understand it a lot more, and it is extremely <laughs> exciting. So, last three minutes, what I'm thinking here is, I love people knowing how they can take action if they're excited about this. So I've I've mentioned that you're on LinkedIn, Anthony and Johnny. Um, I'll just repeat it again. Anthony is Anthony without the H in the middle. And Abel, A, A B E W -L, L, and Johnny is Johnny, J O N N Y, Fry. So you can contact them there. Um, Johnny also has, um, what's it called again? Digi what do you call your digital bite? Is it digital bites? Digital, digital bite. Once a week, we do a weekly analysis that looks at um, how blockchain technology and digital assets are being used all over the world in different industries. Right. So is that a website where you register and you just yes, contact me on LinkedIn and right. we can make sure you get a weekly copy for free. That's great. So, Anthony, I know that you're very close to closing the investment, which is very exciting. And then you can start to launch the exchange. But if somebody's saying I want to get in on that investment before you close, is there a minimum amount of money that you're taking as an investment at the moment in that? Yeah, I mean, we, we have investors who, who are doing the, the 50 to, to sort of million club at the moment. So uh, we have about 60% of the current round filled. So we're, we're looking to fill it up and launch our exchange. Our first exchange is in London. We're launching 20 exchanges over the next 18 months. That's fantastic. So if you're you know, a relatively big investor, contact Anthony. Um, if this is just a subject you're fascinated by, then share this to others because you get the sense that you're listening to something that really could be quite groundbreaking and and change a lot of people's lives. And so um, I always think it's very interesting when you're in hearing things early on um, that you can say that you, you took part in that, that you were, you were involved in that. And I don't think there is any single one of us that wouldn't want to help people onto the property ladder. Um, and no single one of us that wouldn't like to be able to 
liquidate some property as well. So it's very, it's been a really exciting conversation. Thank you both. Thank you, Anthony and Johnny. Um, and, and please, you know, get in touch with them. And thank you very much for listening. Hopefully you feel a little bit more knowledgeable about digital assets and how this applies to property. So many thanks all. And uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Take care.